awesome study after that. And then it's also a great time, you know, to fellowship with one another and get to know each other um, even better. So I highly recommend it, guys. Come on down Saturday here at 8 a.m., Men of the Masters. Then for the women, we have a couple of things coming up. The Fall Spanish Women's Ministry, they're going to be starting um, Tuesday, September 12th, they'll be studying the book of Nehemiah. Sign-ups um, sign are going on. Um, you can visit um, Damaris out in the patio Sundays after both a.m. service, or if you would like more information on that, um, you can always contact her. Then um, for September 12th is also the start of the Women's Fall Ministry Bible Study. They're going to be studying Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. Um, Sign-ups are as well going on for that one. You can also visit them, um, visit their table out in the patio Sunday mornings after both AM services. For the women, the retreat is also coming up. That is November 10th through the, through the 12th. It is up in the mountains at Thousand Pines Camp. Sign-ups for that one is also going on. Or if you would like more questions to know like where it's at or cost, um, you can also visit their table out in the patio on Sundays. And for both the retreat and for the Women's Fall Bible study, if you have any questions, you can contact Esther. Or if you would like more information, you can contact her as well. Then um, Saturday, September 16th, they're going to be having, the church will be having street witnessing. Um, it starts here. They're meeting up here at the church at 11 a.m. And then from there, you guys are going to go um, witness. Highly recommend it to anybody. Um, no experiences needed. Just, you know, your heart willing to go out and minister minister out to our community and share the love of God and share the gospel. Um, highly recommended. That's coming up September six, Saturday, September 16th. And um, if you would like more information on that, there's um, up in the up on the app. You can get more information on that one. And then tonight at the chapel store, come and get some ice cream. Thank you. And here's Pastor Lee. Thanks, Erica. Good evening. Welcome this evening. Good to see you. I have some great, great news to uh, report. Last Sunday morning, we took a special offering, as you remember, for Hurricane Harvey relief in our little church. The little church that could. I love this church. You gave $5,500. And so uh, Frank and his church at Calvary Colton, they're going to add to it, and then we're going to add some more. So we're going to write a check for over $7,000 for Calvary Houston, and this will really, really help them. If you don't know what's going on there, you can actually go online, Calvary Houston, and you'll see Pastor Ron. He gives these updates online, and uh, he's really, really grateful and so he, it's, it's just going to be a blessing. We're going to send that check off to him tomorrow morning. If you have a gift and you want to give it, still, we could add that to it. There's a little, just put it in an envelope, write your name on it, and give it to T tonight. T's around somewhere. And we have these little red lines on there. But if you just make sure, just put Harvey on there really big. If you want to give to that tonight, this will be your last opportunity as, as a church. You can still go online and, and give. I, I, and I'd encourage you to do so. And also, um, in, in light of the Harvest Crusade and all of the, the new believers there, uh, as a church, we were given some 200 follow-ups. Uh, 130 still need to be followed up. Some of those are youth, and Pastor Chris is going to do those. But Rob Wyman, our elder, is asking any of you that he knows, someone in the church, you need to be a part of this fellowship. And if you know him, if you know the me, you can come in and talk to me as well. But he has little cards, and all you do is call. These are the people that went down on the field after the Harvest Crusade and they made a profession of faith, or they're looking for a church, and basically you're just going to call them and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Can I answer a question? Can I pray for you? Uh, I, I know you made this decision. This is decision follow-up, and we've done it every year. We have a lot to follow up on, and Rob needs your help. He's right in the back here. Raise your hand, Rob, and here he is with the blue shirt on, and he'll help you. If you want to be a part of that, just go back and see him tonight, and he'll give you some to follow up on. 
Tonight we come to chapter 49 in our study. We're almost done. We only have two more weeks here in in this wonderful book of Genesis. And what I plan on doing is we'll do these two weeks, tonight 49, next week chapter 50. We'll finish next week and then we'll go right into the book of Exodus after I do a recap. I'm going to do a recap of creation. So we're going to go back to chapter 1, which we did a year, over a year ago, and we're just going to look at chapter 1, and we're going to just marvel at God's wonderful miracle of creation and remember some of the highlights in the book of Genesis. We'll do that, and then we'll jump into the book of, of Exodus. That's where we're going. So tonight we're in chapter 49. Open your Bibles, put them in your lap, get ready, and let's ask God's blessing on our study. Father, we hold your word in our laps tonight, and we ask that you would speak to us through the living word. We ask God, because it's living and it's alive, and, it, and your word discerns the intent of the heart, and because the Holy Spirit has written the word and is here tonight to reveal it to true believers, I pray that we would receive gladly your written word tonight. And we thank you for a church that, that teaches the Bible as truth, and, and literally truth. And I pray, Lord, tonight you would just speak through your servant. Help me, Lord, to, to divide your word correctly, to edify the believers tonight, uh, that we want to grow and we want to know you more. And so teach us, we pray in Jesus. Amen. Last week we were in uh, chapter 48, and we learned in that chapter that uh, Jacob is finally a man of faith. He's bringing his sons together at the end of his life. He's 147 years old. And he's going to be blessing his children. And he began by blessing his favorite son, Joseph. But as you remember, it wasn't Joseph that got the blessing. Remember, it was his Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And that chapter is key to understanding who the 12 tribes of Israel are. Jacob has 12 sons. And there are 12 tribes, but Joseph isn't mentioned. Neither is Levi, the two sons of Joseph that aren't mentioned, or uh, Jacob that aren't mentioned, Joseph and Levi. And basically what happens is the blessing goes from Joseph. He gets a double blessing in that his children, Ephraim and Manasseh, become part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now these 12 tribes are important to understand as you move through the Bible, the Old Testament. These are the children of Israel. And tonight we're going to look specifically uh, at, at all the sons and the blessing and the prophecies given them. But again, last week we looked at the, the blessing that was to go to Joseph but went to his children. And, and, and as Jacob, he's passing the torch, as you recall uh, from last week. Now, the opening verses here in chapter 49, now that jo Jacob has looked at Joseph and blessed Manasseh and Ephraim, He's now going to get all the rest of his sons, and he's going to bless them, slash, prophesy over him. So it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Jacob. And the blessings that they receive really have to do with the way they live their life. And you, you remember the sons of Jacob, good or bad? Bad. Uh, I mean, they, they were pretty, pretty hardcore to, to, uh, to turn against their own flesh and blood, Joseph, to throw him in a pit, to talk about you know, murder, to sell him into slavery. I mean, these guys are bad dudes. And so they're going to get this blessing pronounced on the end of their days, but the, the blessing really becomes a prophetic type or, or speaking of the tribe of the family name they carry. So we'll see the blessing of these sons of Jacob in these verses here. And again, it's kind of a, a prophecy as well and has this future meaning as well as this blessing as Jacob proclaims it upon them. You'll see that it's in verse 1 where he says, in, the last, in their last days. But we begin here with the first point, Israel's prophetic blessings. Here they begin in verse 1 of chapter 49. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I might tell you what Bef what shall befall you in the last days. So he's going to tell them, this is, this is the sum of your life, and then the last days, the future in your life and, the, uh, and your tribe. Gather together, verse 2, hear you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Now again, remember, Jacob is Israel. And so I think 
you know, I don't know how much you've read the Bible, how much you understand about it, but Jacob is one and the same. He was Jacob. He was a surplanter. And then he had this wrestling match with the angel of God. Remember that? And God prevailed. Israel, that's the name. God prevails. So his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And you'll see those names interchange. We've watched that for many, many chapters. But again, just an explanation of what, that's, what that means. Jacob Israel has just blessed Joseph's two sons, his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And now he begins the blessing. And he begins with the three oldest sons of his, these three firstborn sons. The firstborn, Reuben, we have Simeon and Levi in verses 3 through 7. But notice in verse 3, Reuben. So he looks at Reuben. Remember, in the previous verse, he had propped himself up on a staff. He's old. He's 147. But everybody understands what he's saying. And he's, he's propped himself up on a staff. And he's giving this prophetic message here. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. You're the first. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. You were to be those things. Great beginning. But then notice verse 4, he calls him, but you were unstable as water. Wow. I mean, that's quite a, quite a differentiation there between the, the strong and strength and power to this unstable as water. You shall not excel. His father looks at his firstborn and tells him that. You're not going to excel because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. And then Notice this last phrase. You see it in your Bible. Look at what it says. He says, you went to your father's bed and you defiled it. It's like he's looking at, at Reuben saying that. And then all of a sudden he turns to the rest of the family, the brothers. And look at what he says there. He went up to my couch. He went up to, I mean, this really hurt Jacob. And this is why Reuben does not get the blessing of the firstborn. I love the way it's written. If you look at that verse, you'll see that clearly. So Reuben, firstborn. His sins had disqualified him from his future blessing. The, the firstborn always got a double blessing. They got extra land, extra money, the firstborn. But he's not going to get any of that. Again, in Genesis 35, 22, we, we read how Reuben, he went and he became sexually involved with the woman Billa. Billa was Rachel's handmaid. And he got involved with her sexually and a very interesting story there. Billa, again, was the mother of Reuben's brothers, Dan and Naphtali. And there's a bunch of speculation about why he would do it, when he would, you know, and I don't really want to get into speculation, but all we see here is Jacob. It offended him greatly. Of course it would, right? So Israel, he sees in Reuben this immorality, he sees this evil, in, and he's unfit to be the leader of the family. I think he made a really good call there. Then Israel, Jacob, he speaks to his sons, number two and three. This is Simeon and Levi. And he addresses them as a pair here. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments, notice what he calls them. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger, they slew a man, and in their self-will, they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So here's the prophecy is at the end of that, but he, he goes into this cryptic blessing of these other two. So Reuben, my strength, my glory, but because of your sin, nothing. Your sin disqualifies you. And then Simeon and Levi, his second and third born, um, they were the ones, as you recall, they, they planned and then slaughtered the Shechemites because they're sister Dinah was raped by Shechem. Shechem had raped, and then the father, remember Shechem's dad comes up and says, hey, you know, let's not battle. Let's, everything's going to be good. Let's just have a wedding. Let's just make it right with a marriage. Remember the, remember the deal? He was trying to make a deal, and, and so it was Simeon and Levi that said, hmm, and in their mind, they're devising this plan. Okay, well, we can't have a marriage unless you become one of us. Well, how do you do that? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Circumcision. 
And so it was the, after the third day, during their recovery, after this painful surgery, circumcision, it was Simon and Levi and some of the other brothers that went in there and they murdered the Shechemites, killed all the men, stole the, all the loot, they looted their town, took all of their women. I mean, it was an evil, evil plot in what they did. Now, an interesting side note here is that Levi becomes the tribe of priests, the children of Israel. Levi becomes the tribe of priests. He, 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 it's very interesting. And, and here's how this all works out. If you look at the end of that verse, you'll see the prophecy. The prophecy there is at the very, very end of verse 7. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So this is this pro- weird, or not weird, but this interesting, interesting prophecy that happens there about Simon and Levi, or Simeon and Levi's future, dividing them in Jacob. This prophecy about dividing and scattering becomes this tribe of Levi. When, you know, years later, <laughs> when they leave Egypt, and they're coming to the promised land, and the land is given to each one of these tribes, these 12 tribes. It's Levi who's not given any land. Levi's tribe becomes the tribe of the priesthood. And the reason that Levi's tribe becomes the priesthood is because they do this valiant thing. It's in Exodus chapter 32. We'll get there in a few months when we we finally get there. But they remain faithful. Here's the verse. I'll just show it to you really quick. Exodus 32, 26. And Moses stood at the entrance of the camp. Moses comes back with the tablets of stone. And the people are dancing naked before the golden calf. Remember the story? And so Moses stood at the entrance of the camp, this verse here, and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And notice what it says. All the sons of Levi... They gathered themselves together with Moses. So they stood on the right side. Not everybody in, of the sons of, of Israel, children of Israel, did that. But because Levi's tribe, this tribe of Levi did that, they gathered themselves because they were faithful to Moses. Now they're, instead of, instead of not getting any inheritance, they don't get land, but they become scattered among the people as priests. That goes back to this prophecy here in verse 7. That's why, again, the Old Testament is so important. Again, look at that prophecy. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now, as far as Simeon goes, Simeon never becomes prominent. You can read through the Old Testament. You'll never see Simeon as a prominent tribe. They kind of fade away. They just scatter away. They do get land, but it's kind of not not this great section of land if you study that. And they just kind of are scattered. So this prophecy in verse 7, this is Jacob blessing his sons with this final, but he's prophesying. It's the Holy Spirit prophesying about the tribes and what's going to happen in their lives. This tribe of Levi they, they, we get some great men from the tribe of Levi in, the, Levi in the Bible. Moses, Aaron, Samuel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. John the Baptist was of the tribe of Levi. Very interesting group of men that come out of that tribe. So in Levi, we see the grace of God. Yes, Levi was part of this murderous band, you know, of, of brothers with Simeon and Levi and the other brothers that they killed. They, they did this unrighteous, immoral deed of murder. And yet the grace of God. And as I think about that, even tonight, you may not have been a murderer in your, in your BC days before Christ, but you were a sinner. And your life and your things and, and, and your sins were just as bad. And all of those sins would bring forth death in your life had it not been for the grace of God. Amen? Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? So in this tribe of Levi, we see this wonderful grace of God. And I I, I think it's, it's a wonderful truth. And here is the verse that really helps you understand that. Here's this long list that Paul, and you probably can't hardly read it, but you know the verse. Let me read it really quick. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. And then he, here's the list. 
Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and such were some of you. Boy, that we all fall somewhere in that, those categories. And Paul says, and such were some of you, but now you're washed. How are we washed? By the blood of Jesus. Remember Sunday morning? We had communion together, and I held up that cup. And this is the cup of joy for the believers. It's the blood of Jesus that washes us of all of our sin. We're washed. That's what Paul is saying in the verse behind me on the screen. He says, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I just thank God for his amazing grace. I'm just so grateful for his amazing grace. And Levi becomes an example here. So Jacob's last words, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, they're not given any possessions, really disqualified from their firstborn positions. So he's going from the top down. He's Reuben, the next, well, I can't give it to him. The next Levi, yeah, I can't give it to him. But here's where we end up here. We come to Judah. This is very important, again, for you to understand, and this will help you understand the New Testament and Jesus and all Judah's blessing. Look at verse 8. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion, as a lion who shall rouse him. And then he says this, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now, this is one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible. You don't hear about it much. I think it's really, really important to understand But we've studied verse by verse through the book of Genesis, and we're going to go back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, but it's in Genesis 3 where God says to Satan, this is what he said, and this this thread is, we're following this thread through Genesis, we'll see it in Exodus, the the lineage of of the promise, we're talking about the promise, Genesis 3.15, you'll remember this after the sin, here it comes on the screen. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Remember that prophecy? And between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is going to bruise, or a better rendering there is crush, not just kick, but actually crush the head. You might you know, survive a, a scar to your forehead or, or something, but you will never survive a crushed head. And that's what this scripture is all about. The seed of the woman is going to get victory over Satan. That's what this prophecy is all about, this seed. And this is really important. This is the seed that's been confirmed through Abraham, passed to Isaac, passed to Jacob, And now Jacob is confirming this same seed that's going to have victory through his fourth-born son named what? What's his name? Judah. This is really a fantastic truth here. It's through the line of Judah that will come the seed who will bruise the head of the serpent. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. He's speaking of of Jesus Christ. Judah, from Judah's lineage comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, one of the reasons that we see this, and each of the sons have failed and sinned, but it was Judah back in chapter 37 that did a few things. You know, he, he did some bad things as well, and, and he, you know, you, you, you struggle when you read those things. But again, it's God's grace and God's choice of choosing Judah. And when we read that here in verse 8, this is God choosing Judah, and he's blessing his line. Judah, you are whom whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Again, 
Judah's descendants are going to rule. They're going to reign. They're going, they're going to, everyone is going to bow down in the family. The, all the other tribes will bow down to him because he's inheriting the, the, the aspect, this firstborn blessing of the family. Now, that's clearly stated. Let me show you real quick. First Chronicles 5. Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph's. There it is right there. He, the jo, the, Joseph didn't receive the birthright. It was Judah who re, really receives this birthright of the firstborn. And in verse 10, if you look at verse 10 here in chapter 49, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. The scepter there, it's, in the Hebrew, it means um, an offshoot or a root. And so this scepter, Judah is the root, and from him is going to come this family, this tribe, and out of this tribe is going to come Jesus Christ. Now, this is another interesting thing about um, Israel, when you study Israel and its kings, the, the kings in Israel, the, the Israel is divided, divided kingdom, but the kings that are in Israel, beginning with Saul, David, Solomon, every one of those kings comes from this tribe, Judah. Judah is, again, very, very important. It's important to understand who he was in the Gospel of Matthew. It begins with this lengthy family line. If you want to read chapter 1, you know, you go ahead and pronounce all the names. But let me throw up here on the screen, Matthew 1, verse 2. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot, notice, Judah. Not Reuben, not Simeon, not Levi, not Joseph, but Judah. That's where this, this is going here. And Jesus was from the tribe of who? Judah. Judah. And so, again, all the way back to Genesis 3, the seed, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and who? Judah. Uh, the, the Bible is, is such a, a unique book. I mean, m I don't care how gifted you are as a, a writer, a book writer. We have a couple in our church. Nobody could come up with a story like this. There's, there's absolutely no way. And when you read it, it's, it's just fantastic. And after Jesus, think about this, after Jesus, has there been a king in Israel? One day he'll come back and he'll rule in righteousness in what's known as the millennial kingdom. 1,000 years, he will be the king. Jesus is going to come back and he'll be that, that king. Jesus of Nazareth. Do you remember? Think about this. On the, the day that Jesus was crucified, Above his head was hung a plaque, and it said, Jesus Christ, the king of the what? Jews. The word Jews is a reference to who? Judah. Judah. Comes from that word. The word Jew comes from Judah. Again, this is just fantastic when you think about all of these things. And this wonderful group of, of tribes, these 12 tribes, all the children of this one man, Jacob, or Israel. These are the Israelites. These are the children of Israel. That's why it's important, again, to go through the Bible verse by verse, and then you move into Exodus, and you can understand the tribes and their relation to one another. There's difficulty and problems as their families grow, and these families get big because, remember, the blessing of many descendants to Abraham. They're going to grow. They're going to go. There's going to be a lot of them. But each one of the tribes, these are the Jews or the children of Israelites, uh, Israel. And that's why, again, this is such an amazing prophecy about Judah. And again, Genesis 3, the seed of the woman that crushes Satan's head. Jacob's prophecy is that the king of Israel would come from Judah. And that Jesus, his Messiah, is so clear, I believe. Again, here's the application to all of this. God has a plan. We just are living out, hopefully, by faith, the plan of God. But God has this master plan. Again, when you read it in the scripture, it's fantastic. No one could make this up. God has a plan, and he's going to use who he wills. He's going to make his choices. Chose Judah. Judah did some bad things. Judah was the, 
brother that, you know, had this affair with Tamar, remember. But, but the grace of God and God's sovereign choice. I love this truth here. From the very first sin in Genesis chapter 3, God has been positioning and pointing his people to the Savior that he was going to bring through the seed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Jesus. This has been God's plan all along. It's an amazing story again. Throughout world history, this is the story, his story. Then notice that Jacob says, until Shiloh comes. My next point here, look at verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. So the question becomes now, who is Shiloh or what is Shiloh? And for those of you that read the Bible, you've heard that name before, Shiloh. It's a place in Canaan where the Israelites went to worship. Shiloh was a place where the children of Israel gathered before they went to war, Shiloh. So it's, it's a place, it refers to a place there. <laughs> one, of, one of my stories, if you want to know how not to raise your children, you read the story of, of Eli the priest and his sons, Hopni and Phinehas. You've read that story? You don't want to raise your kids like that. Those guys were corrupt to the core. It's in First Samuel, and you can read about those guys. But it's in Shiloh that Eli was stationed as a priest. He was there at the temple. And so it's a location. Shiloh becomes a, a location. But some scholars see the word Shiloh or Shelah. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. But again, as you look, there's many different divergent paths here. I don't believe he's talking about a place. I believe he's talking about a person. Because he's talking about G uh, Judah and the, the, the seed and the line and the lineage of this family. And so I don't believe he's talking about a place. I believe he's talking about a person. But this word in the Hebrew, Shelah, actually means rest giver. It's the word rest giver. And I like this one because I see Jesus as a rest giver. I've, I've blown it. I'm a sinner. But I rest in who as a Christian? I rest in Jesus Christ. He's the rest giver and salvation is in Christ alone. We, we don't work for it. We don't earn it. We just come to Jesus and believe. We believe in what Jesus did there on the cross. And when you do that, you can rest. He's the rest giver. He's the one that gives us salvation. Shelah, rest giver. And in light of all the other world's religions around us, where you have to work and earn and do things, do things, serve some even believe that you have to, you know, you, you had to do this endless amount of things. You have, to, you have to have communion every Sunday a certain way. You have to be baptized by a certain point in time in your life. These are all works, and the, the world is filled with all of these works. But the Bible says this in Ephesians 2. This is one of my favorite verses. Here it is on the screen. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not about works. You couldn't take communion enough. You can't pray enough. You can't even be good enough. Because salvation is by grace alone, through faith. And so by believing in Jesus Christ, we become saved and we rest. And so I believe this reference, until Shiloh comes, it's a reference to the future coming of the Messiah. For them, it hadn't been fulfilled. For us, we look back on that it's been fulfilled. So I love that. The Bible says that we're not saved by what we do, but, we'll, but, but, but by what he has done for us. Faith is resting in what God has done in Christ. That's all faith is, by the way. <laughs> you, just, you just believe. That's all it is. Gee, uh, Leah, I thought I had to work for it. I had to do something. I got to go out and witness, or I, I need to teach Sunday school. Uh, it's a good thing to go and do those things and works, but that doesn't save you. It'll never save. Works will never save. You're only saved by the grace of God. I have nothing to give God. I, I can't pay for my sin. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Again, it's a beautiful truth. And all we do as Christians, rest. That's all we do. 
We believe in Jesus. And we, I mean, think about that. You're working to make a living. You're, you're struggling to get to the end of your life. You're trying to manipulate situations, where you go and where you live and what you do. But for the believer, truly, we're just to rest. We're to rest in the Lord. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, that's a great place for amen. I, I just want to be resting in the Lord. I'm too busy at times. I, I just need to rest in the Lord. And I believe Shelah, rest. I believe that's what it is. So we rest in Jesus. We rest Shelah, rest giver. Now in verses 11, 12, we get this prophecy from Jacob about Judah's future successes. Notice verse 11, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garment in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, this is just a picturesque speech. How many would tie a wild animal to your, your vegetable garden? You take all this time to grow. In this case, wine was precious. They grow this vineyard and they tend the vineyard and they, they weed the vineyard and they trim and prune the vineyard so they get more grapes. And then they haphazardly tie an animal to the vine. What's a mule going to do to a vineyard? It's going to tear it up. But they're going to be so prosperous the picture here is Judah's going to be so proud. The vines are going to be so plenteous that you can just tie your, your animal to it. That's what he's saying there, that they're, they're going to be so blessed. And they're tethering their donkeys or washing their clothes. And then verse 12, this is an interesting one. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. In other words, they're going to be so blessed. Judah's family is so blessed Again, he's getting the blessing, the firstborn blessing here. And Jacob's prophesying this. But they're going to be so blessed as a family, as a tribe, that, that their eyes are darker than wine. Now, there's a lot of different thought about that, but th there's going to be so much wine. What happens when you drink too much wine? You get bloodshot eyes, right? So I, I think that's what he's saying. There's going to be, it's just going to be so plenteous. These people are going to drink and they're going to, with red eyes, their eyes are going to be darker than wine. There's going to be so much. It's just picturesque speech about, about the abundance there. And then teeth whiter than milk. In other words, their cattle are going to be so abundant. There's going to be so much milk available. Everybody's drinking milk and their teeth are white with milk. So again, his prophecy is about the abundance there. And then verse 13, we, get the, we move into the other sons. And some of these go a little quicker. But the ninth and tenth born here are the sons of Leah, Zebulun and Ishkar. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Ishkar is a, is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens, he saw that the rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Okay, again, Jacob is old. He's 147. He's going to die. He's blessing his sons, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is giving these prophecies about each tribe. And so this prophecy is really what we're seeing here uh, for Zebulun and Ishkar, these these prophecies that Jacob is giving to his sons and as a tribe, Zebulon. It was known for its faithfulness to King David. In 1 Chronicles 12, here's a verse behind me on the screen. The scripture says this in 1 Chronicles 12. Of Zebulon, there were 50,000 who went out to battle and they were expert in war with all weapons of war. Stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. So these were men, this, these tribe of Zebulun, they were, they were faithful. They were going to be faithful to the king. And so he says they're going to guard the harbor. He said the safe haven for ships. They're, they're going to be a guard on that end of the country, the northern side of the country there. And the tribe of Zebulun, again, provides David's army with all, all this stuff, you know, the, the mighty men. And then Ishkar he was strong, but the people are lazy. Again, strong as a donkey, lying down between two burdens, verse 14. And uh, interesting, he'll get this land. I wish I should have had the map tonight to show you how the land is divided, you know, 400 years from now, how the land was given. And uh, you'll see where they are, you know, in relation to the, 
the um, uh, center of the country, the kind of the breadbasket of Israel, the coastline, the the you know from Dan to Beersheba, all the area in between. And uh, I should have probably done that, but they're given this land. This tribe is given this land, Ishkar, but they're lazy and they don't really farm it correctly and they become uh, enslaved by the people around them because they won't work hard. That's really what he's saying there. It says in verse 15, he bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. So they were enslaved because they weren't willing to work. Then the next son, Dan, and I have my title here, Dan, the Troublesome Tribe, verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider shall fall backwards. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. So this is another interesting prophecy from the tribe of Dan comes the many judges that you read about in the book of Judges in the Bible. The most famous judge is Samson, as you recall, Samson. Um, He's the most famous one, but he comes from this tribe of Dan. And Dan, the problem there was they introduced idolatry into the whole nation, this tribe of Dan. Why would you do that? Well, they they did it, and they're they're the troublesome tribe there, the serpent by the way, the viper by the path. They bite at a horse's heel. And let me show you the couple of verses here, Judges 18.30. Notice this verse on the screen behind me. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves a carved image. So they set up an idol. Should have never done that. And later, it's Dan who worships an idol in Israel. And Amos Chapter 8, verse 14, here's another verse. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. So this tribe of Dan, they're, they're a troublesome tribe. They bring in idolatry. And then these two proof texts that I've shown, they carved image, and then they, the, the sin of Samaria, they, they worship other gods. And then not much is said about Gad. Notice a real quick little verse, verse 19. Gad, the triumphant tribe. It just says, Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. So this is a battle tribe, and, and they, they become this tribe that can handle. Uh, they're good warriors. They, that's what it basically says there, the tribe of Gad. They're warriors. In 1 Chronicle 12, we see the sons of Gad here. Here's another verse for you. These were from the sons of Gad. They're captains of the army. There were at least over 100, and the greatest was over 1,000. So they were very organized, and they were warriors. Then Asher, verse 20, the fertile tribe. Bread from Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Again, they're going to grow lots of grain, and they're going to make their grain into... Pastry, I guess, I don't know, food, uh, uh, bread to eat. That's really what it's. Asher's tribe is really going to, they're going to work hard and they're going to grow a lot of uh, grain. And then Naphtali is the roaming tribe, verse 21. Naphtali is a deer let loose. That's kind of an interesting thought. A deer just wandering there. He uses beautiful words. Now, Naphtali's land was up near the Sea of Galilee, Really interesting when Jesus in Nazareth, if you've ever been to Israel, really cool to go to Nazareth and then take the bus ride. It goes kind of directly to the east and you go kind of through this, this mountainous area and then you drop down into the valley and you see the Sea of Galilee. It's just a beautiful drive and as you see that, Jesus used to go from Nazareth, it's about 10 miles, and he'd walk down to the Sea of Galilee and then they would bring fish back to the people at Nazareth. A lot of the fishermen would, would bring fish back for people to eat there in, in Nazareth. But those people wandered a lot. They were wandering people, and it was Naphtali, the roaming tribe there. They wandered around that whole area. But this area of Galilee, as you recall, 
was the area that Jesus preached and he shared the word there and he, the beautiful word. So I think there's kind of a mix there. Naphtali, they were a roaming tribe, but they were around the Sea of Galilee and there were lots of beautiful words spoken there by the Lord. I, I, you, I think you could see that there. And that brings us to Jacob's last words to Rachel's sons, Joseph and Benjamin. These two, he's kind of, remember, he spoke to Joseph, but kind of bypassed him to his grandsons, to Joseph's sons. And now he's going to speak to Joseph and Benjamin, the youngest, his youngest ones. He, he really loved them. Joseph's blessing here in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. Can you see the picture there? He's describing Joseph as he's always been a benefit to others. He's always provided for others. Remember, Joseph was in Egypt. He provided for the world. But he's always been a fruitful bough. And so Jacob prophesies that his future is going to continue. It's going to be a, a fruitfulness and abundance that's going to come from him, even though he was brutally attacked by his brothers, even though he was, he was you know, sold into slavery and, and worked for Potiphar and his evil wife. Uh, he still is this fruitful bough. Notice verse 23, the archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him, but his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is a shepherd stone of Israel. You're starting to see some of these names of Jesus here, the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Verse 25, by the God of your father who will help you and by the mighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of him who was separate from his brothers. So this really is telling us that all the while that Joseph was mistreated and abused, he was faithful to God. And God honored him for that. And we've learned that, right? And looking at his life, we've seen he's a man of integrity. He's a man of his word. He's a man faithful to God. So Joseph, again, becomes that picture. He's faithful and he's blessed. He's this fruitful bough. And then Jacob has just this one word for Benjamin here in verse 27, Benjamin the fighter. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, kind of interesting description there. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. So Benjamin's a hunter. He's a, he's, he's a great fighter. And from his tribe, this is really interesting, he's a fighter and he, he won't give up and he, 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 he's a ravenous wolf. He goes for it. He's not afraid or ashamed. From his tribe comes this real interesting man in the New Testament. His name is Saul of Tarsus. It, I love that depiction there, Saul. He was a ravenous wolf, wasn't he? I mean, he was going after the church, killing people, dragging them out of their homes and killing them. The Apostle Paul. And, and then the chapter closes here in verse 28 with Jacob's last request. Notice, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing, which means they're living out what they lived. Very interesting. The, the, Reuben, he's living out his blessing. Simeon, Levi. Some of the others are living out their blessing. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my father. So as he, after he blesses his son, he says, okay, this is what I want you guys to do when I die. Here's my final words here, my last request, that I want you to bury me with my fathers in the cave that was in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Melchpah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. They buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And I buried, not my favorite, Rachel. Remember, Rachel died early. Who did he bury? Leah. Leah. 
Remember when this story began and we all felt sorry for Leah? Cow eyes, remember her? He wasn't, or she wasn't his first choice. And, and you kind of felt sorry for this homely woman. She becomes honored. Not Rachel, but, but Leah. And then the field and the cave that is there were, were purchased from the sons of Heth. So again, when you think about it, Jacob, he's 147 years old. He's living a rich man's life. Where? In Egypt. What do the Egyptians do when they bury somebody? Remember? I mean, they'd make a big deal about burial. You go to Egypt, and there's pyramids, and, and there's uh, sarcophaguses, and we saw some of those in, that were brought back to Israel. They're, they're ornate and fantastic. But Egypt, they, they really believed in the afterlife, so they buried you know, these kings with all their stuff, you know, King Tut and all his stuff. And here's Jacob. He's in Egypt. He could have been buried. His, his son's the prime minister, but all he can think about is he wants to get back to his father's. Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. And then from him, the seed goes to Judah. And from Judah comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fantastic story. Isn't this fantastic? I love the word. The way it ties together, we need to understand this. And then verse 33, when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and then was gathered to his people. What a fantastic, this man, this surplanter, Jacob, he's gone from a lying, deceptive, godless man. And through hardships and through God's divine sovereign choice, he's finally yielded and, and, and come to God. He come to his senses and put his faith in God. And he's this man that we look back at and can sing about now. The God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What a great story. Next week, we'll finish in chapter 50. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for its truth. I know there's a lot here, and I just pray, Lord, your people can hear. Hear the history, Lord. More than just direct application tonight, we just hear the history, and, and we see some of the application in the future tense of all of these tribes. And Father, we just look forward to studying next week, and then moving into the book of Exodus. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal it, the, the wonderful truth of the scriptures, this divine book that you've given to us to reveal who you are and your, your awesome plan. Oh, Lord, marvelous, excellent, beyond anything we could ever ask or think or contrive. Lord, your grace, your plan, your mercy, it's marvelous, Lord. Lord, excite us to read the word, cause us to eat it up, to devour it, to want more. And I pray that you, Lord, would be honored in this place as we gather each week. In Jesus we pray, amen. Let's all stand together.